Wow. Very uncharacteristic vault for Simone, but it looked like she got almost lost in the air. Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast ever, drops out of the team final. Uncharacteristic for her and for us. I love you guys, but you're going to be What does it mean to say, I've had enough, that the mental is not there, especially when there's no visible injury? What does it mean to this thru-hiker who struggles with letting go and knowing when it's time to stop? To see someone as strong and brave as Biles, to say no to the world, really to the sport, to all of our assumptions about being badass. Well, it's kind of giving permission. You're listening to The Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the blissful hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks so much to Lecky and Belega for their support. Also, Summit Orthopedics, my choice for two total hip replacements. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. I've already said my no. I've said my enough. And right now, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the results from my heart monitor. I'm waiting to take a cardiac stress test. And I'm waiting to see if cardiologists can fix me up and get me back on trail. But believe me, I'm not just laying around. I'm exercising. The daily two-minute plank is back in the routine. And weights for my upper body, too. I do a bit of yoga, I walk up and down hills, and I even took the bike out on the Grand Rounds, where I sweated so much that I shorted out the first heart monitor, and I had to have another one sent to me. But I feel in between, in between my plans and my life as it is, but also in between my body as it was, and something that's fragile right now. Like Simone Biles, the mental is not there. The feeling of flow, of connection, of being in the right place at the right moment. It kind of makes me think of the poem by Leza Lowitz. She's an American poet who lives in Tokyo and wrote a poem called Waiting. You keep waiting for something to happen the thing that lifts you out of yourself, catapults you into doing all the things you've put off, the great things you're meant to do in your life, but somehow never quite get to. You keep waiting for the planets to shift, the new moon to bring news, the universe to align, something to give. Meanwhile, the pile of papers, the laundry, the dishes, the job, it all stacks up while you keep hoping for some miracle to blast down upon you, scattering the piles to the winds. Sometimes you lie in bed terrified of your life. Sometimes you laugh at the privilege of waking. But all the while, life goes on in its messy way. And then you turn 40 or 50 or 60. And some part of you realizes you're not alone, and you find signs of this in the animal kingdom. When a snake sheds its skin, its eyes glaze over, 
It slinks under a rock, not wanting to be touched. And when caterpillar turns to butterfly, if the pupa is brushed, it will die. And when the bird taps its beak hungrily against the egg, it's because the thing is too small, too small, and it needs to break out. And midlife walks into that wisdom that this is what transformation looks like, the mess of it, the tapping at the walls of your life, the yearning and writhing and pushing until one day, one day, you emerge from the wreck, embracing both the immense dawn and the dusk of the body, glistening, beautiful, just as you are. Laza Lowitz wrote that glorious poem, Waiting, and it captures this kind of juxtaposition of urgency, a need to break out, when all the while there's a need to radically accept what is. While I convalesced in Kalispell, a friend of mine that I made on the Pacific Crest Trail reached out and shared her struggle. She was a former competitive gymnast and was raised in the world shared by Simone Biles and so many others who pushed through injuries, remaining stoic and fierce, until the day it caught up with her. Only this summer she was guiding young people in the wilderness and was suffering from such severe shoulder pain but was not offered relief from her superiors. Seeing no way out, she self-medicated with opioids, putting herself and her charges in danger until she realized that her health was paramount. It actually took a doctor to remind her that she could do permanent damage and she simply had to stop. But it was traumatic and difficult because her mind was certain she could push through and the culture she worked in demanded it of her. As I wait for answers and a path forward, I think back to Aconcagua, the highest mountain in the Western Hemisphere, and one I'd hoped to summit until HAPE, high-altitude pulmonary edema, stopped my forward progress. It's basically fatal, with the cure being just get down to lower elevation, which is what I did as quickly as possible. But oddly, the morning I left, swollen and weak, the others in the party came out of their tents to hug me, and the guide pulled them away. Stay away from her, he said. As sick as I was, I think I laughed at him. Did he think what I had was catching? Did he think my leaving the mountain to save my life would somehow cast a pall on their continued ascent of the mountain? It was strange, but maybe old-fashioned and sort of like the TV show Survivor. They never did make it to the summit, and later I was told that the guide thought I would celebrate their failure. Okay, maybe a little bit of schadenfreude for him, but not for my friends, who actually take these uncontrollable aspects of life more in stride. Maybe that idea of taking these uncontrollable aspects of life in stride describes Simone Biles. I've had my Olympics, she tells her teammates. Now it's your turn. Aha, and I've had my through-hikes, too. We'll see when it's my turn next. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. 
In a series of personal essays coupled with found sound and my own flute playing, this podcast explores my journey of self-discovery as a middle-aged woman, sharing the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as a badass woman who doesn't need permission to blaze my own trails in this journey we call life. All my work is done for the day, and my new heart monitor is scheduled to arrive this afternoon. So Richard suggests I swim before I have to hook it back up and can't get it wet. It's been so hot in the Twin Cities that the lakes are a little dingy and filled with plants and algae. What's not filled with that are the rivers, and I hadn't been in the St. Croix River in a long time. So I decide to make my way out to one of my favorite parks, Afton State Park, prairie and deep wooded ravines next to this wild and scenic river. I've walked past the beach so many times, and this time I was planning to use it. It's funny, though. Getting out there in the 90-degree stagnant heat with the A.C. on full was not easy. Once I reach Woodbury, that's the place I play my flute nearly every week, the roads are closed, and again I'm sent in a circuitous route around this sprawling suburb, and finally out to farmland and massive fields devoted to potted trees and shrubs under sprinklers. The prairie is lush with color, yellow, purple, and dotted with oak trees. As I crest the hill, it's already loud with crickets and birds. I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I take a pack with my towel, a chair, my umbrella for the sun, and head down the bluff towards the river. A woman coming up tells me the water is wonderful. The trail along the edge of the river is an old railroad, straight and flat. I pass the beach itself to check things out further down as speedboats and jet skis rush past. One is parked on the shore, and I walk down to look for a private place for my swim. It's perfect in the shade. The humpy, tree-covered hills light blue in the haze, small wake waves touching the shore. I take off my shoes and wade in, trying not to step on a massive clam. But my feet sink in. It's mud. It's soft, but it's not making it easy to get into the water. Plants sway on the current, grabbing at my ankles, silky and slimy. Okay, it might have looked nice from above, but this is not the best swim spot. So I sit in my wee folding chair and read for a bit before packing up to find a less muddy access. Maybe I'll just walk a little bit more to the end of the trail before it darts straight up into the forest. It's hot, it's muggy. I move slowly as if swimming through the air. At the turnaround, a doe looks up at me, startled but absolutely still. Two fawns with spots shimmy their bodies behind her, only their big ears and curious eyes watching me. I decide to go up, only for a little bit, and just to get my heart going before I dunk in the water. The forest is dense in shade, though not especially cool. I've run up this trail in laps, but now my feet feel as if they're barely touching the ground. The trail curves, then flattens for a moment through a stand of pine, and then heads right up again. A wasp nest hangs on a limb above my head, gray paper swirls. I'm deposited in prairie, where a flycatcher clings to an erect gay feather. 
Crickets hop ahead of my step, hidden on the path until they explode in brown wings with white fringe. I choose a different path to the one I normally take and find myself momentarily disoriented. I see a familiar lean-to ahead and realize it's all just a new way of seeing things that are familiar. And as if to guide me to this landmark, a tiny reddish-brown bird hops two feet ahead, turning back to see if I'm coming. Sweat drips down on my lip in beads. I stop for a moment to listen in the shade, deciding if I want to go on. It's all in the sun coming up next, a walk through the heart of the restored prairie. Oh yeah, I have an umbrella. So I head deeper in, alone, just me and the crickets. The trail is a mowed path through black-eyed Susan and purple bee balm, Queen Anne's lace about to burst forth from a closed ball. Dragonflies buzz me, massive thunderclouds build, and sunlight pokes out in long rectangular rays. My umbrella moves as a silver ship atop the high grasses. A hummingbird moth, yellow and black, flits from blossom to blossom, its massive tongue flung deep inside as its beating wings keep it aloft. I hear heavy breathing, and it breaks the spell. It's a trail runner, who gives me a smile of commiseration that we're both here in the heat together because we want to be. Because we have to be. It's absolute bliss. I think about this time of having to stop, knowing it's mostly my choice, but also something out of my control that has to be fixed. Like Simone Biles, I exited too before I really hurt myself. The coming weeks of waiting are going to take patience and grace to manage, and a whole lot of figuring out. I think about a poem by Kay Ryan, the poet laureate for the Library of Congress. Patience, she writes, is wider than one once envisioned, with ribbons of rivers and distant ranges, and tasks undertaken and finished with modest relish by natives in their native dress. Who would have guessed it possible that waiting is sustainable, a place with its own harvests? Or that in time's fullness, the diamonds of patience couldn't be distinguished from the genuine in brilliance or hardness. My thru-hike is in the extreme heat and over thousands of blowdowns of trying to get back to myself, to figure out the puzzle of my health, and to remember what really matters. Here at home is not the big mountains or the glory of thousands of miles walked, Yet somehow, in its quietude, it takes my breath away. It reminds me why I love walking, why I'm the blissful hiker. A bird, a bug, a flower, the sound of crickets, all of it calls me back to that place in my heart that's most alive when I'm outside. I head back into the woods, steeply down along a finger of land above deep ravines and towards the beach, where indeed, it's sand all the way out into fresh water, with wisps of ice-cold freshness from springs. I swim until almost dark, then head back up the hill to go home and sleep in my bed. 
You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple, please leave a review that helps the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is also on Patreon right now, and you can support the show and also support my walks. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. And that's also where you can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, there's going to be a lot more hiking, and maybe I'll have a diagnosis and a path forward. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>